Hi there. Welcome to the Look for Strength podcast, where we share exceptional stories from exceptional individuals around the world for exceptional listeners. I'm Amay Look, and I'm your host. On today's podcast, you'll hear from Michael Bonaccini. Michael is an icon in the culinary world. As a world-renowned chef, the co-founder of the Oliver and Bonaccini restaurants, and a judge on MasterChef Canada. This is part one. He'll focus on his journey in becoming a chef, the restaurant business, and a celebrity chef in the TV world, as well as some challenges he faced. Let's jump right in. Hi, Michael. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me on the Look for Strength podcast. An absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me, Amy. I'm so thrilled to have you on the podcast today and hear about the breadth of knowledge you have about the culinary world and the restaurant business. So I'll get right into a few questions. Do you maybe be able to share with us your personal and career highlights and how your international upbringing has shaped your path to success? Well, I'll do my best. Um, like I was born and raised in, in the UK and, uh, you know, I, I would say one of the early highlights for me uh, and I realize it now, but I didn't probably realize it back then, is that um, I was one of those fortunate kids that knew early on that I wanted to be a chef and that I wanted to own my own restaurant one day. And I don't think it's easy for kids today to figure out what they want to do for the rest of their lives. It's, it's, it's tough. It's challenging. It's so much coming at them at all times. Uh, so I do feel blessed that I knew fairly early on that this is it, I'm going to become a chef and I want to own my own restaurant. And, you know, part of that may have come from the fact that my parents uh, were in the hotel and hospitality business. So our entire family were a part of that. Um, but that's one of the big highlights for me uh, early on. Um, my work ethic, I certainly got from my parents and that to me is an important piece. Uh, Again, being in the restaurant business, it is, um, and my parents being in the hotel and restaurant business, it's work, 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 nonstop. It is seven days a week. Uh, when you're trying to make ends meet in a seasonal hotel business in rural Southwest Wales, you, you do absolutely everything you possibly can to, uh, to make that season successful. And that to me, is how I feel about life, is you've got to work hard at everything you do. And of course, having a, uh, a loving, supportive wife and, and a son uh, certainly helps because um, it is a business that is all time consuming, an industry that, uh, you know, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays and Sundays are the peak business days and up and at it uh, by day and there until the, the wee hours of the morning kind of thing. Uh, you know, work related, a great highlight opportunity for me was getting my very first job at uh, the Dorchester Hotel in London, England, after I'd finished cooking school. And cooking school for me was one of the great pleasures too. Two years of immersing myself into nothing but cooking, a little bit of housekeeping, <laughs> believe it or not. But um, uh, the cooking side of it was was absolutely fabulous. And I remember uh, getting chef's whites. They were, they were uh, used whites. And um, I took great pride in starching them and ironing them and making sure my hat was nice and crisp. And then sliding that chef's jacket on. It was just immense 
pride and, and this feeling of this feels so good and so right. And uh, I really don't think I've lost that feeling in all these years. And even today, when I put on a chef's jacket, either to jump in a kitchen or to cook at a fundraising event or uh, a TV show, I have that same feeling sort of wash over me. And I think the day I lose that uh, might be the day that it's time to hang up my apron, so to speak. Um, yeah, so getting my first job at the Dorchester Hotel, uh, I moved to London, England. My sister lived there. I was sharing a, a, a small flat with her for a while, sleeping on a mattress on the bed, on the floor. And um, I would get up every morning and pound the sidewalks, putting in my resume, speaking with the HR departments. And it was tough. It, it, uh, two weeks had gone by and I, I, I didn't find a, a job. And I'd taken a, a train ticket to um, head off to a, a restaurant, a very well-known restaurant outside London. And I'd gone home and told my sister about it. And um, I then got back out and returned the train ticket to the job agency I was working with because I decided, no, I wanted to stay in London. That's why I went to London. And the next day I had an interview at the Dorchester and I took a job as a server assistant and inquired and found out that after six months of working at the Dorchester, I could apply for an internal transfer. Then I got into the kitchen of the Dorchester Hotel in London. And that to me was a huge door opening in my career that I will never forget. The kitchen was enormous. Uh, lower level of the hotel, 150 chefs in crisp, white, starched kitchenware. The kitchen was an absolute buzz, morning, afternoon, and night. Three, three restaurants were being run from that kitchen. A large bakery, pastry shop, butchery department, room service. This was a five-star hotel, two employees to every guest. It, it had it all going on. It was such a great opportunity to learn so much about food, guest service, hotel business, and how you exceed and excel in everything you do. So that to me was an incredible opportunity. And that's um, under the tutelage of my chef mentor, Anton Moziman, who um, I still... Uh, see frequently. I still get birthday cards and Christmas cards from him. Uh, he is a wonderful, wonderful uh, mentor and has been for years. Um, and then I guess the next really big milestone for me was uh, meeting my business partner, my current business partner, Peter Oliver, the, the Oliver of the Oliver and Bonaccini uh, empire, uh, so to speak. Uh, I often tease him and tell him that I'm the young, handsome one of the two, and he he accepts that. <laughs> uh, but I must admit, you know, that the partnership with Peter will be 30 years next year. And it's not until you talk about these things, such as this podcast, that you realize, my gosh, 30 years how much water under the bridge, how many things we've achieved and done together. Uh, you know, Peter would often coin this phrase, uh, one plus one equals six, meaning the power of two getting together can do so much more and achieve so much more. And that's exactly how I feel 
uh, and, and truly blessed to um, have partnered with Peter and still be partners with Peter. And uh, it really is a yin and yang relationship because Peter uh, studied business at uh, University of McGill, stockbroker, turned commercial real estate, turned restaurateur. So he was very much the, the business side of the equation. He loved uh, working on getting the real estate deals done because of his commercial real estate background, his uh, full comprehension of business because of his uh, business studies and, and his time trading stock and so on. I, on the other hand, was more the day-to-day -day operations, the culinary sides, the operational side, the, the uh, design construction piece, the, the, uh, the side of the equation that, that Peter, yes, he had those skill sets too, but they, they, that was my forte and the business side was his. And uh, together we could get so much more done and, and the ability to share problems, uh, as they often say, a problem shared is a problem halved. And, and that's exactly how it uh, has been all these years for Peter and I. Uh, we met in a sort of clandestine kind of way. <laughs> I had a call from a headhunting agency who asked if I would like to meet a well-known restaurateur at a uh, discreet location to discuss the opportunity of getting into partnership and equity ownership of a restaurant. So the intrigue uh, just... I, the hook was baited, I bit on it, and I went downtown to this uh, um, office tower building and out of one of the side areas came Peter. And uh, I've known Peter for many years before that um, through his fundraising events. Anyway, we hit it off immediately. We spoke about our dining experience in New York, a particular restaurant called Union Square Cafe. And that was the... Um, the foundation that we shared that brought our very first restaurant to life that we created back in 1993, Jump Cafe and Bar. And uh, I often refer to it as our firstborn. Um, and there's no, no greater experience than that in my mind. And here we are 30 years later, opening our 41st restaurant. <laughs> so it's uh, been an incredible journey. It really has. Um, you know, on the TV world, <laughs> I have to be grateful to um, Leon Pering's Worcestershire sauce uh, for the simple reason I was approached by them many, many, many years ago if, uh, to endorse their product. <clears throat> it is an English product. I, coming from England, and in England they used to have ads on TV that would be shaking a bottle of, of Lee and Perring's Worcestershire sauce, a couple of drips from England, <laughs> uh, which I thought was hilariously funny as the great British humor is. But I did this on um, City Line. Uh, Marilyn Dennis was the host at that time. And um, I must have done something right because they did invite me back on the show. And I ended up uh, being on City Line for over 17 years. I, I don't know many hundreds of shows I did although it'd be very short, uh, bite-sized pieces, it allowed me to break into the TV world. And uh, that was a, a, a monumental step in my mind. 
Uh, obviously, then came along uh, things like Cook Like a Chef and uh, Master Chef Canada, which has been an incredible experience. Uh, a cooking reality show on a scale that I, I just don't think we'll ever see in, or certainly not in my time, we'll never see it again. And, and it was it was a great learning experience for me in many, many ways. Um, it was just a great opportunity to, to be a, a part of something that was very special, very grand, and uh, loved by 1.2 million viewers uh, every episode. So we can't complain at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I hope I've answered some of the questions. No, for sure. <laughs> I I was one of those 1.2 million viewers. I absolutely love MasterChef. Um, but also working at the Dorchester as your first job, I cannot imagine the feeling of how you worked your way up and the relationships you formed. And I love how you painted the picture so vividly of the apron and the environment and all of that. And then also hearing about your partnership with PETA and I love the expression uh, one plus one equals six because that's so true um, what we learn in business school and synergy and the way that like teams can can really surpass what you can do as an individual um, and then also you're so passionate and this is clearly what you were born to do as you mentioned it's what you've loved since you were since you were a child and um, you've worked so hard throughout your entire career and touched on some challenges in the restaurant and hospitality industry that you faced as well as your family faced when you were growing up. So I was wondering in your experience as a chef, as a judge and as a restaurant founder in those three positions, what was the most challenging aspect of each of those three positions and what's the best approach to tackling these challenges? Yes, great questions. Um, yeah, look, any any business you get into, you're going to face challenges. Uh, no matter how much energy you have as an entrepreneur and, and, and so on, you have to chase these, you have to face these challenges head on. And, and I often say, it's not how well you do when things are going great. It's how well you do when things are going badly that really count. Um, and often these challenges aren't as bad as they might seem. You just need to figure out a, a solution and uh, tackle it one, one day at a time. You know, speaking as a chef slash restaurateur, but probably more as a chef for the moment, uh, certainly one of the things that you face every day as a chef is, is you, you have to understand and appreciate that cooking, and, and my mentor used to tell us this in the kitchen, that cooking is an eternal apprenticeship. Don't ever think you have all the right answers. You know how to do it best. There's only one way to, to make a sauce hollandaise. There's only one way to be cooking classic French. No, you, you have to be open-minded. You have to be constantly hungry to learn new ideas, new ingredients, new techniques, new cooking methods. Uh, you, you, you've got to come into the kitchen with boundless mental and physical energy to to take on the day's challenges. And I think the way you can go about certainly expanding your, your culinary expertise today, uh, 
so much of it can be done through social media, jumping on a, a website, uh, flicking through uh, restaurant reviews, restaurant designs, culinary inspirational websites. Uh, it is such a great resource. Back in my early days, I was fortunate enough to, to travel. And, and with working at the Dorchester, I got to travel to the United States. I got sent to Tunisia, North Africa. I got to uh, go to Germany, Luxembourg, uh, cooking, culinary competitions. And travel, I think, is a part of an important education for anyone, but certainly as a chef where you see different cuisines, different cultures, and you you cherry pick, you you add this to your, your, your quiver. And I think that's such an important piece of learning a business like the restaurant business. You need to be exposed to it. And that's why the idea of doing a stage and that old school working at a place just to learn uh, how to run a place, how they operate, what the the uh, differences are from the place that you currently work at to the place that you're staging, I think are so vital to, to progress. And the world is an ever-changing place and we just cannot afford to stand still in any industry. So I might need to rebrand the Look for Strength podcast as 15-minute segments seem to not be enough with some of these fantastic guests. I look forward to releasing part two, where Michael talks about more challenges he faced, his thoughts on social media, advice he has for business, cooking, and life. I hope to see you there.